Hey, Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything, the miniatures gaming podcast. So I think we've been watching a lot of the same YouTube videos lately, or at least maybe in recent times. Makes not, sense. Not because we have super similar interests with miniatures and stuff like that, but, you know, uh-huh. we might. Just a lot of people have put out lots of kind of cool content about their collections of medieval weaponry and how people fought with it. They're sort of need to watch them and their their collections and how they how they're making like historically accurate reproductions of them. Oh so, my god, we really are watching the same YouTube videos. I mean, they've got hundreds of thousands of views, so that's yeah, true. But I'm just saying, if you're watching, watching like medieval weaponry, like how many different YouTube, uh, uh, I guess YouTubers are there? Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll record one of the short podcasts about who we think puts out cool content, but that's, that's for another shorter podcast, but that maybe that, or maybe just how we've been working on mechanics for our own skirmish sort of fantasy based game. God Mm -hmm. is thinking about sort of what you expect out of your close combat weapons. Yes. So not only do I think about buying a cool sword but I also think about, oh, what, what re- does it really take to make a sword? Or what, what do I expect from weapons on the tabletop from all my little heroes? Yeah, so, so now that we've watched all those videos, like, oh, we got to get realism into this game, even though... Yeah, it's got to make sense. You can't just have a guy with... Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense to necessarily have hold a, a sword in reverse grip. That's what I learned the other day. <laughs> oh, wow. Or does it? Well, if for miniatures, maybe. But uh, we'll get to that when we uh, uh, talk more about our topic, which is uh, melee weapons and what does it take to uh, model them on the tabletop? Yeah, so I think the setting where we mostly focus on when you think of melee weapons, because modern day you have guns and you don't want to bring a, a knife to a gunfight. Yes. But sticking in the era of, you know, your your sharp, pointy things, mm-hmm. what you've sort of... I guess you mostly you divide your weapons kind of into I guess possibly ranges of weapons where you expect to use them because we're not going to talk today about like fully ranged bows, slings, and all that. Mm, but that's when you think too big of a topic, and I have a lot of thoughts about that. And actually, I'm pretty sure we had another uh, previous podcast specifically about the differences between ranged and melee combat. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, you can check out. I think it's episode 38. Oh, very good. Got the number down. But I guess I'm just wrong. One or the other. Yeah. So I think you can we can probably break down these sort of weapons into some main categories based around their intended purposes. Uh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we can go through. I think the first thing we I think is good to do is just talk about the different weapons we expect to see on the uh you know the time periods that we're talking about on the tabletop, like what are the actual weapons? And they obviously fall into these categories you're talking about. Yeah. So I guess you might as well start off with the most basic of the weapons is the sword. Like mm-hmm. when you look at your fantasy miniatures, maybe 80% of them, at least I'd say they're, they're holding the sword because swords look pretty cool. Yeah. And they're like the default uh, weapon. Yeah. And it was like from all those videos we've watched. Yeah. Pretty calm. We'll just have like their side sword. Mm-hmm. They're pretty lightweight and their construction wasn't super difficult and super expensive. So you'd expect your average soldier to be walking around with a sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're 
from all of the uh, sources that we have both taken, it seems like uh, the sword was like the most popular sidearm, I guess you could say, throughout history. So during times when things get tough, you know, nowadays when you think if, if, if things get chaotic, if our governments collapse and everything, you'd carry around a sidearm, a gun or something, a pistol, but you wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily carry around your bazooka while you're, you know, going to the local tavern. But no, that, that would draw a lot of attention. Yes. Yeah. So uh, in the same way, it seems like back in the day, it was the sword was was the, the equivalent thing. You'd carry around the sword, but you wouldn't necessarily carry around your, uh, you know, your your specifically for war equipment, like your full body armor and 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 stuff like that. So it seems like swords are everywhere, and because of that, you know, what what when we look at our fantasy stuff, swords are everywhere. Yep. And I guess for for fantasy games, when you get into more of the the rank and flank games, mm-hmm. or if you think about just like real life mass medieval warfare, mm-hmm. you start to think more of sort of columns of soldiers equipped with spears, pikes, and all that. Mm-hmm. That once you've got a legion of guys fighting each other, you want mm-hmm. something a little. You want to be a little further back from people's swords. So the technology yes. was bring a long pointy stick. Yep. Yeah, it seems like in general, uh, in if you knew there was a battle coming, you generally want the longer weapon, right? Unless it becomes super unwieldy, right? Yeah. So, you know, sp- once they're all like saying, "Oh, everyone, get gather all the boys, we're all going to war." It seems like spears, spears are basically seems to be for the, the longest time the main weapon, and then as you get to later medieval times, you basically just get fancier and fancier spears. Yeah. Do you have a super long spear? Do you have a spear with like a hook thing on it? You know. Yeah. Does it like? Is it if you really really like an axe? Maybe you uh, put a axe head on the top of your spear. Yep. Uh, you know stuff like that. You haven't gotten to those videos yet explaining why people did that, but you know <laughs> they, they look cool, so they're going to show up in games. You yeah. Expect- so that's the entire thing. When you look at them, it seems like we see a lot of you know halberds and things like that on equipment, right? Especially when you want to look at the like the really big guys, right? And and uh, so we guess I guess we've gone swords, mm-hmm. then uh, you know long spears, and then you got halberds, and then you have this other kind of. Uh, other weapons. Yep. So I think we've probably been watching probably some of the same videos about then armor that people wore back in mm-hmm. historical times, mm-hmm. which once you've watched enough of those videos, you sort of realize that a sword or a little pointy thing isn't going to do too much to someone who's dressed in like full armor and mail. It's yeah, place mail. Yeah. Armor. Yeah. Then you start watching the videos about, okay, what did, what, got used on the armor it's like okay now rather than having your headlight little swords that are super maneuverable you now get your maces and maybe really heavy sword uh as as from what i've seen it's like maces uh war hammers war Mm -hmm. picks things like that right because basically it seems like for a while there in i guess this is what the 1400s or something like that um uh, the maybe my time is wrong. All I did, I, obviously, I didn't do that much research, just enough. Um, but it seems like the armor basically outclassed the weapons that people had, so they had to make up new weapons, right, uh, mm-hmm. to deal with that. And that's like 
hammers and things like that. So specifically anti-armor, anti-heavy armor, right? There's obviously, you know, war, you're always going to have people that are more lightly armored, just like by virtue of the cost of armor. But if you're the type of person, and especially when it starts getting cheaper to be able to have plate weaponry, then your sword is not going to slash through plate weaponry as much as we watch amazing, cool samurai movies and stuff like that. Apparently, you have to train for a thousand years to be able to get, get good enough to slash through plate armor. Yeah, you can't just slash right through the guy's side when he's wearing armor and cut him in half. So Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so apparently they used like hammers and maces and stuff like that, which is literally don't the, the idea is like, well, if you can't actually get through the armor, how can you screw them up without actually getting through the armor? And that is yep. then is use these picks and maces and stuff like that, where you just either you, you dent or, or injure that armor, but like the impact goes through the armor and screws them up inside. So. That's why they have to be heavier and whatever, right? But then mm-hmm. the trade-off seems to be they become much slower or they become much shorter range, right? Yes. Like a, a Warhammer that is well-wielded one-handed is apparently much... Well, it has to be shorter, right? Because it has to be heavy, first of all, on the, the tip so it can do that impact blow and like screw the guy up. I don't know why I'm saying screw the guy up. Usually I just, you know... I'd say what I want to say, but I've started already. I'm going to pretend that I don't swear on this podcast, even though we do it all the time. Um, So you screw the guy up. um, But because of that, you know, it's weighted on the top. And to be able to use the one-handed, then you can't have these hammers that they have in miniature gaming and art, right? Which are like three feet. Sledgehammer with like extra scrolls on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Imagine trying to swing a sledgehammer in one hand, like, that's just not possible, right? But then be- because of that, you know, they're much smaller, so. Pretty much. So I think that's those are sort of the three big categories of weapons we really think about is your your long pointy spears. All right, so how do you, ex- do you expect them? I think we, they're one thing that we actually neglected to mention, even though it's not really a weapon, but it's definitely paired a lot with, you know, one of those main types is oh and we didn't mention mention axes yeah that i guess (laughs) games usually aren't the games we play often use them just interchangeably with the sword because they're they're a sharp thing that Mm -hmm. they're not quite the same thing that they're not meant to go through heavy armor they're almost like seems like historically at least they're somewhere in between the hammers and the swords, right? Because again, you know, axes are, are are top heavy, so they're not as agile. They can't be used to like parry blows or be defensive as much, but they pack a lot of punch, right? And before plate mail basically made it very, very hard to chop through it. Um, you could, you might not be able to slice through or stab through, let's say mail, but if you use an ax because of the weight, if you hit a guy, you might be able to chop through it with an ax, right? Yep. So uh, it seems like in between before, the, you know, like the plate mail forced people to use maces and, and war hammers and things like that. Yeah. But in the games we play, the, they'll commonly like you'll buy a unit of models mm-hmm. and they'll just kind of interchange between having swords on some models, axes on the other models. That's true. So from, from our games, they're 
they've kind it of seems become... like it's basically just like the hand weapon right it's like a one-handed weapon what do you expect yeah, yeah and often if they're going to give a guy a more powerful weapon maybe they'll give him a pretty big axe so they they kind of go in between yeah i guess yeah that's true um the one thing that i think we we didn't really mention that is like everywhere or maybe not as as i think um we'll, we'll talk about is what's the benefit of these like small swords and axes right well if you they're basically one-handed weapons which then means the guys get to hold the shield as well <clears throat> yep so yeah. shield or when it comes to miniatures apparently a second sword <laughs> yes which is, is somehow is that supposed to be uh, uh, better I, it seems like historically no one not no one but like if you had the chance to have a shield you, you mm-hmm. carry a shield right as opposed yeah. to having another sword apparently having a sword in each hand doesn't actually give you twice the number of attacks no i, I guess a you lot just of end up right apparently using yeah you end up and you probably have one you know just like you have one hand forward i guess right mm-hmm. it seems like usually the second second weapon is mostly just used for parrying so it's like a crappy shield <laughs> I guess we talked about before, like you can carry around a, a sword everywhere, right? You go down to the pub and you're like, all right, all right, honey, I got to go. I've got to take my sword just in case, you know, things get serious. Mm-hmm. But if it gets really serious, you might want to carry a shield, but that's way too unwieldy, especially when you're drunk. So you carry your little like parrying dagger as well on the other side. Yeah, shield's a pretty big commitment. Like that's Yeah, apparently. Unless I get, the- yeah. So, so, so yep. Yeah, often when we when you see miniatures, very mm-hmm. few of them, unless they're meant to be like a really defensive unit, will have a shield. I mean, in actual war, yeah, you're you're, and you intend to go to battle. The guys are probably going to have a sword and the shield. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, with miniatures, they've got there's the rule of cool. Of course, the, the is, ultimate rule. Yeah, and some shields can look cool, but if you gave everybody a shield, it would start to get boring. Plus, the shield's this big flat object that blocks mm-hmm. the view of their body. So now mm-hmm. all their cool straps and their buckles and that, you can't see those anymore. Yeah, we so, would love to more to armor, but you know, that's, that's got to wait for another thing. That's true though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from a- How I do you know that they have 10 different daggers if you, if you can't look at, see their body? Exactly. So just from a design standpoint, miniature games usually don't throw quite as many shields on guys, mm-hmm. unless they're trying to be historically accurate, but- Yeah, I think there's basically- uh, a, a changeover because we talked about how swords are you know very common in, in in fantasy and often with like these adventuring parties and things like that but when you look at more historical miniatures they tend to use uh, or equip their people with historical weapons right so that's when you see a lot more like sword and sword and shield or and a lot more uh spear and shield right because yep. For many times in, in in our history, spear and shield was the undisputed like warfare champion, right? Or war, warfare equipment. Yeah, the spear is the primary weapon. And then if someone got in close, you would have your sword that if you're within a foot of each other in some giant melee, you start if, slashing if they've, people. If they've tackled you, then you take out your sword and stab them kind of thing. Yep. So I think so that... I think we've broken down the weapons that we envision being like the main historical categories into your spears, your swords, and then your clubbing things, your armor breaking. 
Yeah, I think I think we missed uh, one major one is the which um, I think there's some overlap, but it's like the two handed clubbing weapons Mm -hmm. because in uh, games um, (laughs) people love those things. Basically, it's like so. So we talked about, you know, the sword as uh, basically a, a one handed sword, right? Uh, with a shield is the primary thing, or just to be cool, you just run around with your one-handed sword, right? I think that became popular because of, you know, adventure stories and things like that, like we said, historically. Um, and swords are just cool, right? And they're also, uh, <laughs> they're also probably, uh, there's a lot of um, uh, linking to nobility, right? With, with like fancy swords and things like that. Yeah. Um but what's cooler than like, you know, a short, a small sword, because apparently shields for some reason are not cool. It's like a two-handed giant sword the size of your body. Yeah, usually those are just meant to rep. Well, sometimes they can. Oh no, man, they're just cool looking. I feel like the popularity of them, even though historically two-handed swords, they've obviously existed, but they're mm-hmm. not, they were not super popular relative to the other types of weapons. They just look cool, right? Yes, they do. So you do expect like what's cooler than a small sword is like a sword this tall. And apparently there actually were, I, yeah. you know, we've seen them. We've gone to museums, you know, the, the what do they call Zweihanders? Or yeah. in English, I think they're just called great swords. Like broad swords, great swords, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so that's pretty cool. So you have you obviously have to put them, you know, give them to people, right? And so you basically take the one-handed weapon and then you make it so large that a bigger version. Yeah, so it has to be used two-handed. Mm-hmm. Now it's cool, and now that's an entirely different thing that is not necessarily, you know, it's used in history, but like in our games, you have to have them. True. Yeah. Or Even if it's not historically game. accurate, just throw that guy. You could just say, oh, the hero just took the the thing because technically, you know. Some yeah, people or, use them. Or you just have your like ogres and giants with their versions of the weapons. You're like, oh, this can't be the same thing as the little guy's version. Yeah, it's got to be super extra big. Yeah. yeah. Although we did we did talk somewhat about, you know, the spears as long-handed weapons, but there are again the same kind of thing, right? There's the one-handed spear, which was used a, a lot, you know, the spear and shield. And then there's the two-handed version, like the halberds and the I don't know, the halberds Pikes. are my favorite. Yeah. Pikes. Yeah, those kind of things, right? Um, so I think those have to be, you know, we have to remember them. And when we go through what, what that means on the tabletop, we need to place those weapons in, I think, in their own slot. Yeah, which then brings us to mechanics that you kind of expect to make these weapons feel like they should on the tabletop. Mm-hmm. I think you've got more of a list together about these, but I've got a bit of yeah. one as well. Do we want to right, go through- so- categories first and then look into them or do we want to go into them in depth each let's go let's go and and just roughly talk about the different kind of mechanics that you you generally want in terms of gameplay or that we think about on the game on in terms of gameplay and then uh after we've gone through all of them let's try and uh you know assign them to the the appropriate weapons or the other way around yeah and talk about how the mechanics could work so i guess the simplest version which we were just talking about the sizes of the weapons Mm-hmm. comes down to how far away you can use them on the table like yeah of them on the table yeah so like 
Um, this is specifically a weapon kind of mechanic, right? Because obviously how far you can reach the person is based on what weapon you're using. Intr so it's intrinsically tied to the weapon you choose, but this is actually a very important part of uh, gameplay on uh, miniature games because, you know, when you're playing on the tabletop, the entire reason why these games are different than let's say, I don't know, some sort of card games or, or other kind of, of games is the fact that you're playing on a tabletop with uh, actual 3D space. And mm -hmm. so the length of engagement that you're able to uh, reach someone or attack someone or, uh, is really important uh, on how good your, uh, your units or how effective they can be, right? How much space do they actually take up on the tabletop? Yeah, it ties into all the positioning of your troops and that. Mm -hmm. yeah. that's, that's one of the big ones I'm expecting. Mm -hmm. Then, hmm, we can look at, I don't know how you want to categorize this, but their ability to deal with armor. Yep. So uh, this is, again, yes. one of those things when you think about, like, technically you could say... You could call it Some strength. people are just good. Yeah, exactly. The strength of the weapon, right? Mm -hmm. How powerful. And this is something, you know, you intrinsically think about when you're using a weapon. If, if, if a guy hits you with a, a stick versus hitting you with a tree trunk, obviously it's going to be different in how it impacts you, right? So yeah, this like, is, again... Your opponent can win the combat, but, you know, you really don't want to lose against getting hit by a tree trunk from a... <laughs> yes, exactly. Hit by a stick off some pixie. Yes, so I think this is one of those things that you definitely see a lot in games, especially when... Uh, you start adding in the armor mechanics. So uh, you, you kind of want this kind of rock, paper, scissors kind of uh, thing going on because you don't necessarily want, you know, the guy who's just the best at fighting to just be able to kill everyone without, you know, you want, you want some ability to have to, to overcome some powerful people in different ways, right? You have some kind of tricky rock, paper, scissors, next leveling kind of thing going on. And so the armor with the powerful weapon kind of mechanic is a, is a great way to model that. And, and add those intricacies and target priority into the game. Yeah. So then I guess one of the other major categories, maybe this should have been higher up the list, is the their fighting ability, their, their melee skill, their weapon skill, whatever name you want to give it, but how the weapon might affect yeah. that. But often yeah, game, I'd say I got a good word you might want to use is like, I don't know, I guess you could use speed or finesse maybe. Skill, yeah, weapon skill, things like that. Yeah. I guess the idea I guess you're trying to get at is just like um, how likely in any given engagement they're going to, uh, I guess, come out on top. Mm -hmm. And obviously, depending on the type of game, maybe it's just a Rochambeau type, type game system, then you don't have this kind of finesse thing. But it is definitely one of those things that, again, you know, can add interest, especially with the powerful mechanic. It can be one of those rock, paper, scissors, right? Like you can win the combat, but not damage the person. Uh, or you can win the combat less, but do a huge damage. Or you can not care about winning or losing because you have really good armor, right? This kind of adds these layers of um, uh, rock, paper, scissors, kind of target priority, kind of, of trying to make sure you can choose which person that you have to take out to help your, your, your force uh, overcome them. Yeah, so a lot of games, you'll just fight someone based on the the model's fighting skill. But mm -hmm. some games do bring in modifiers for the weapons that they're using. 
which does make intrinsic sense because you took the same guy you gave him like the great sword or you gave him like double swords he's more likely to score a hit with some like double light swords although great sword is much longer so you might you have to factor that in yep so yeah maybe the guys too but we'll talk away. about that when we start pairing up these these abilities yes the idea mm-hmm. yeah i get it yeah in terms of you expect the weapon mm-hmm. if it's a crappy weapon like he's got a pitchfork or if he's got some like really nice cutlass weapon made for war yes mm-hmm it's going to affect his ability to score mm-hmm. fights. So I, I think we've all, point. yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a couple more and then we can maybe go over to uh, pairing them up. Yep. Yeah. I've got a couple more as well. All right. Yeah. Okay. You want to go keep on going? Sure. I guess initiative is also one of those stats you sometimes expect in games, like who's able to strike first. Mm-hmm. So that can come into the effect of like, it's, it can be a bit different than ranged. Like obviously some weapons, if the other guy's not within the right distance of that positioning on the tabletop, he doesn't hit. But then when it comes to the actual fight itself, if you've got an initiative system going on, mm-hmm. certain weapons, like when we're talking about those big giant axes that might be slow to swing mm-hmm. or your, like your daggers, once you're yep, up close. Or- or even with like two-handed long-reach weapons, there are some that may be much more quick to use than others, right? Yep. Like especially in fantasy, when you mentioned those two giant, like a you might have a two-handed axe that has the same reach as a spear, but by the fact that it has a giant head on the top, it will, it might actually, even though they have the same reach, hit slower than a spear, which is very light, right? And the mm-hmm. entire point of it being so light is that it's easy to manage, easy to go out and strike them, right? While when there's an opening, mm-hmm. whereas you know your your fantasy double grid, although there are two handed grid, uh, two handed axes, right? And um, the the kind of idea is that it's just harder to block or 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 when it actually does swing. Yep. So getting into more like less expected. And maybe even bonuses or well, not bonuses, but types of abilities that may not always be on the field. Because uh-huh. you could have certain weapons just from a strategic standpoint are better on the first attack. So mm-hmm. say you're making a big charge with like a lance. Mm-hmm. Clearly when your knight rides in at the guy with mm-hmm. that lance out, that weapon's yeah. going to be better right when he makes that first attack. Mm-hmm. But then he sits there on his horse just swinging at the guy afterwards. Mm-hmm weapon's not gonna be as good later so you kind of expect if your game plays around like making charges a lot maybe you yeah, want to get yes game bonuses on the first attack yeah again it's it's the kind of thing like when you're making a game you want basically different dynamics where um you don't want it just to be rochambeau where you take turns hitting each other you want there to be differences in who who hits who where they hit what type, how they hit, and you know who might get the first strike. So it's not just, well, technically Rochambeau is all about who gets the first strike, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but uh, you know that that kind of difference in in how you and and where you want to engage. So the ability to for the first strike being very powerful, and then not necessarily being good in the follow up um, long term uh, like attrition combat really kind of is another kind of way that you can tweak you know the sides make things interesting when you go through it mm-hmm. right yeah 
Um, and then along with that, I think I mentioned attrition is uh, something I guess tied into not maybe not directly to the weapons, but uh, certain weapons you might take specifically because they're good with in a defensive manner, right? And mm-hmm. there's many different ways that this can manifest, but like like we mentioned before, sword and board, right? You ha- you, you you might have you know if you're talking about just pure offensive output almost any two-handed weapon is going to be better, right? You have a longer reach, you have more control. Like, why would you not use your second hand, right? Yeah, if your opponent, if your opponent had no weapons at all, yeah. Yeah, or, or if you both only had weapons, you'd mm-hmm. almost always take a two-handed weapon, right? However, if you only, like, why would you take a one-handed weapon if you have the chance for a two-handed weapon? Well, you can use your second hand to wield that shield. So you up your defense, right? And I think this is one of those, those trade-offs where, you got to think about your weapons and your weapon systems and things like that as like as, as like a a weapon system, right? It's not just it's not just the sword versus just the halberd. That's that doesn't make sense, right? It's the sword with the shield, right? Versus the halberd. That's what you're you're actually choosing. Yep. Yeah. If you're if you're gonna write just a complete stat line for the guy, maybe you never even see it in the weapons. You're just like, oh, mm-hmm. this guy has this weapon system, so his defensive ability is just bigger. Yeah, kind and of, I think it can be built right. in. And you, so you can think of it from a defensive perspective, mm-hmm. or even an ability to retaliate. Like there can be parrying built into that mm-hmm. too. Yeah, that if your opponent makes an attack on you, maybe if they fail by a certain amount, you get mm-hmm. to strike them back. Yeah, this is a very popular thing that we had that they had in in uh, Warhammer with the, the parry. I remember in Warhammer second edition way back when mm-hmm. uh, parry was super awesome. Or, or Inquisitor for whoever played that. Yeah. And then uh, in some ways I'm glad that, you know, we don't use those because they're a little bit ridiculous, but you know, it's, it's a cool mechanic and, and mm-hmm. it used yeah, in, I think, moderation as opposed in skirmish to like games. everywhere. Yeah. In skirmish games where there's less attacks going on, it can make sense. Uh, yeah. I think, uh, the amount of rerolls in uh, eighth or ninth edition for Hammer 40k is enough. I don't think you need. Maybe parries are already built in because of that. Yes. Well. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then, I guess a couple of more things. I'll just run through them quickly. Um, you can have weapons that are better against groups versus singular opponents, right? You have the your your dueling rapier versus I don't know some. <laughs> you think about like. Uh, just thinking about the movie The Princess Bride, right? Where Andre the Giant is used to fighting 10 men, whereas mm-hmm. Dread Pirate Roberts beats him because he's only one man. And he's the main character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't convincing that he beat, beat uh, Andre the Giant. Although there is that ranged combat versus melee combat thing going on in that scene. This, this uh, sounds a lot like a Game of Thrones fight where somebody lost their eyes. But anyways... Yeah, so, uh, and then there's also like critical effects or, or you could say status effects that you can have, mm-hmm. where, which all, again add, you know, interesting things. You generally attach them to weapons like poison or let's say bolasses or things like that, right? Yeah, if you're thinking of like status effects where it's harder for them, mm-hmm. they're stunned basically afterwards. Maybe they don't take that much damage, but something that causes like a knockdown or like throwing nets at someone that causes Mm -hmm. them to have to get out of it before they can attack again. Yeah. And so these are all like different ways and tweaks, things that are are directly tied to weapons. Um, Now, like you were mentioning just a little bit, like 
uh, you don't necessarily need to have to specify the weapons of people. And in fact, in many games, they don't really do that besides ranged versus close combat weapons. But do you think there's like, which of these, you know, things that are generally uh, tied to the weapons that people use, do you think are the most critical? Like if you were to only be able to have three of these kind of uh, groups, right? Three effects, which ones would you choose? And which ones are just like fluffy, you could say, that add interest, add these kind of stuff? Ooh. So I think the the most essential one is the damage. I think that's the biggest one. Because one to bring it to something a little outside of this topic, but we have to go over it, is mm -hmm. your enemies are going to have different types of armor. Mm -hmm. So you can just think of it as a linear scale. It doesn't have to be more more defined than that mm -hmm. but in order to break the people at the top mm -hmm. you're going to need weapons that are built for that so unless mm -hmm. you want to like have no armor going on in your game which people kind of expect that so you're, you're probably mm -hmm. going to have it you're yeah. going to have to put in the types of weapons that are good at breaking armor so the the, the idea of having people better at better and worse at defense mean almost intrinsically you need weapons that can target that and overcome that otherwise everyone just takes better defense right Yes. And, or you could say just, yeah. Or technically, I guess you could say the other thing is just cheapness of weapons. But then again, that's tied to the unit is that mm -hmm. maybe you could balance it out with swarms of guys. But yes, I think that the added mechanic of that rock, paper, scissors target priority is like a very interesting way. And it also gives more uh, credence to uh, positioning. Right, especially when you have units that are really good at attacking certain other units, uh, but weak against others. That suddenly means that uh, you need to defend them and you need to stop your opponent from reaching them, as before, like before with the right units to to take them out. Right, it becomes some sort of it. It adds another layer to the positioning of your units, where you're trying to. Uh, make sure that the units, you know, where you place them are in the most ideal spot and facing the most ideal opponents, as opposed to just lining up your guys and throwing them forward. Yeah, you've, you've got to go around choosing ideal targets, not just attacking any old person you think you can yeah. get. And then it suddenly makes sense to flank guys, right? If you can flat, if you can get past the guys that, let's say, are really hard to 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 defeat, but you can get to guys who are really damaging but uh or really dangerous but uh very weak defensively right yeah if they got range you, can... guys, you may want to get around their their front defensive line and attack them so yeah so this is this is the kind of thing uh, i do think uh another one is i think we mentioned this before i'd say ranged is most important however with a caveat is that if you have ranged combat which we're not talking about in this one <laughs> Mm -hmm. You don't have to have it in melee, but you definitely need to have some sort of reach difference to make things interesting. But oh, you don't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to be in melee weapons. So I guess it's actually not that important to have, or not that important, but it's not needed in specifically melee weapons because it's just handled in ranged weapons. So I take it back. I guess you don't need ranged weapons and range differences in melee weapons. As because range as, weapon, as long as you as have range weapons, you have some sort of like other shooting yeah, mechanic. Yeah, ranged mechanic. Yes. Mm 
Okay. Because so it becomes less important. Yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, hmm. so maybe that's I not would, one, that's not the I most. Would, yeah, I guess it, it, like not even the top yeah. three. Yeah. yeah, not in the top three for melee weapons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so might I propose then that I think powerful like, is basically the you really just one. need this. Yeah, yeah number one. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, go so on. From a strategic perspective, maybe I could say number two is actually your chart your charging bonuses if we're thinking i would say defensive yeah board second one basically your fighting skill yeah some way to so like you can explain that without weapons i guess like you just say these guys are veterans or Mm -hmm. things like that but you need some sort of way to say you know it's it's an important part of these kind of 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 games like we talked about positioning and stuff like that to have certain units that are like a rock right that force your opponent to move around them, right? And whether or not that is, yeah, sorry? So you're basically whether it's hard to defeat. So there's two ways that things could be hard to defeat, mm-hmm. either by just being really good at fighting so you never land a hit, or just so armored that you never land a hit. Those are the, typically the two mechanics you're expecting. I have a third one. There's just so many of them because you have a whole bunch of guys with only a sword, or like peasants, mm-hmm. right, with pitchforks and stuff like that right uh then yeah you can have a lot of them and then it's just it takes your your hand just gets tired by striking all those guys down so yeah but that's that sits outside of the weapons that's true the top two mechanics then are probably your fighting skill and your your survivability uh yeah so yeah so i'd say powerful how powerful a difference in power level right striking ability of your weapon uh, and then your Combat survivability speed. of your, you'd say, weapon system, whether it's whatever, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then a charging thing is the charging thing. I, I think we expect it because there are so many, you know, it's been so important in combat, but I, it, I don't think it's necessarily needed. But it definitely is the, the third one that I would say. Yeah, I'm just trying to think what adds the most strategic value to the game. Mm-hmm. Like what sort of like what causes the most interesting strategies to be necessary in the game mm-hmm. for and the least complication. Yeah. Cause often like the most, often, the cleanest way to add it. Yep. Cause often in like good adventure games, there'll be a mission, which we uh-huh. talk about a lot involving usually taking territory, getting to locations. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be the first one to rush to a location, okay, good for you. You're achieving the objective, but then maybe you're opening yourself up. You've entered their charge range and now they hit you. They hit you better. And you've just, mm-hmm to take that risk to create that reward so yeah charging mechanic becomes a lot more interesting when you don't care oh i don't care when the fight happens if everybody's mm-hmm. equal because there's no there's no value to being the first attacker yeah then it's just about rushing there and it in in many ways makes again the positioning of mm-hmm. your units uh less important yeah it's just like oh you just run them forward so yeah i would, I would name that as the the third Unless you yeah. we went through a long list. No, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. I think mm-hmm. the other ones are interesting, but they're almost like sometimes foods, right? The idea of, um, you know, like status effects or anti-group stuff or, or let's say finesse kind of things. I think that's, they, they can be on reach right there. You can use some of them, but I don't think you necessarily need all of them to create a good, robust kind of system. And of course, you know, the weapon, your your melee weapon system is only one portion of your entire game, right? Yep. But again, if you're doing, you know, uh, medieval or ancients, it's 
basically the primary way combat was done, right? So you need to make sure that this is a robust, interesting kind of way for people to fight. Mm -hmm. All right. So we've gone through all those things. How do we, do they basically easily map onto the different weapons and types that we mentioned before? Kind of. Your average size human is pretty easy. We, we already have sort of talked about how, what weapons yeah. you expect have those traits. Mm -hmm. Like you can always talk about your giants and all that. They just operate totally mm -hmm. differently. Yeah. But once you get down to your, your main categories of your long pointy sticks, mm -hmm. your typical sword fighting weapons, and then mm -hmm. your bashing weapons. Like I think yep. the speakers are the easiest ones to figure out what's going on with those. The what, sorry? I think spears are the most, the easiest ones to categorize for what, what you expect, what mechanics you expect to go into those. Mm -hmm. you, All right, explain. Like, you usually expect lower power from them because they're not, they're just sharp. So mm -hmm. you're expecting not, not high power. But you may be expecting to get the first strike if you've got some sort of initiative thing going on. Because mm -hmm. you just, when you reach out to attack each other, they've got to get mm -hmm. through it first. Yep. And if, you have, and if you have and if you have a ranged mechanic in your melee weapons, you expect them to have a longer range than other weapons. Yeah, like say if you fight at like two inches, one inch and half mm -hmm. an inch, or right up close. Like, yeah. Oh, no, so specifically. When we look at games like uh, War Machine, right, yep. the the strength of spears or or uh, pole arms is very apparent, right? Basically, all the good weapons in the game or game is are, are are pole arms, and you could say because of that, they're quite historically accurate, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you know, as as it seems like in war, if you're going specifically on on the war on like we said, you know, longer weapons better, so. However, uh, I, I need to follow up. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to fill in for me. Oh, there's, there's lots of ways you could go from there. Yeah. So if you've got one particular. Okay. Yeah. However, um, does historical accuracy matter? I would argue not as much when it comes to medieval fantasy. Like even though you want it to be a uh, simulation, Mm -hmm. You're not trying to simulate history. You're trying no. to simulate your books and fantasy, which means the sword must be supreme. Yes. So if we're going to like liken this to War Machine, where spears can often get you at two inches away, uh -huh. you're not going to be like, oh, well, they got you with the spear, so now you can't even move into your half-inch range that War Machine mm -hmm. has for most weapons. They're yeah. like, no, 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 you, they can fight you at two inches, but you can still move past that two-inch range. Mm-hmm. Like it, it could be a mechanic, but I think people would start to get annoyed by it, and then <laughs> that if you move it, they get a free strike on you when you when you move in. That that's fair, yeah. but not they don't totally prevent you from moving in altogether. Yeah, and I guess there you know depends on on the deadliness of your game. You could say you know if you if both of these guys are heavily armored, right? Mm -hmm. Then maybe you can close with your sword or your axe or your warhammer and things like that, right? And what do you need when you use those weapons? You need them to hit hard, right? Hit harder or have some sort of reason, right? To to close in. And that yeah. would be your, your sword and your shield, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, with that shield and sword, I guess, what do you consider that type of, of thing? First of all, I think we can say it's, it's definitely when we think of defensive, uh, I guess we either think of shield wall, which is technically sword and shield, but uh, uh, sorry, spear and shield. Mm -hmm. uh, but 
when we're talking about fantasy, uh, this is your like normal kind of defensive troop is with like giant tower shields. And for some reason, do they run uh, spears usually or swords? Tower shields usually spears. Hmm. So actually, when we talk about extreme defense, it's also spears. Mm-hmm. But I guess the people are bigger with big shields. So I guess the idea of the spear is that they can just hit you while hiding behind their giant shields. Yeah, and you never get in the sword range at all. Mm. You and your buddies will just keep poking them. Okay, so then the, the, the complete defense is actually not with sword and shield. So then what is your sword and board kind of guy? on the battlefield how do you model the sword and board guy oh just more affordable (laughs) he's just the normal guy which is fair right so when you think about it they're just the cheap guys so if you have like units that are just swarming out there right or you have your normal guy in in combat that's your sword and shield guy unfortunately even though so it's just supposed to be supreme So do they hit harder? They don't, right? No, I think they should be better at fighting up close. Like if you're ah, okay. Like, yeah, once you're if you're going one on one, if you're playing a skirmish game, one on one, they're going to do better. So if we talk about that anti-group kind of mechanic, right? You could say that the sword is better, not the opposite of anti-group, like solo dueling kind of thing, right? You or expect maybe- your sword to be good one on one. Yep. And maybe if you're playing a rank and flank game where your guys facing matters more and you're playing with like bases of units where you've got like 10 plus guys mounted on the same base mm-hmm. and the direction matters more, whether you get a hit from the front or the sides, mm-hmm. that possibly for your spearmen, yeah, they're, they're all positioned where they're ranked to face and attack forwards. Mm-hmm. If they get hit from the side, maybe they've got more of a problem and they're crappier at fighting, but your swordsmen... Mm-hmm. The swordsman doesn't care if he's got to like wave it to one side, wave it to the other side. If you make, mm-hmm. if maybe they get hit from a side attack, maybe they shouldn't care as much and shouldn't like have that much of a a lot of a negative. A negative bonus. for 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 the different sides. So this is like directly related, almost to like like uh, what do you call it? Ranked tactics, right? So things yeah. like pike pikemen and things like that. You translate it on the tabletop. Usually frontal assaults are, are basically suicide against them, unless you're also pikemen, you can reach reach through them. But they suddenly lose their reach advantage when their pike is facing the wrong way and you yes. close in on them. Yeah. Just having everybody rotate their pikes around in a circle, not too easy. Having yeah. the sword just spin around, no, not, not a big deal. Mm. yeah that makes sense so there's a bunch of different ways um which leaves so sword and and board is like your common guys we think so how about your guys like you mentioned in a lot of fantasy games they don't even they just for some reason don't have their shields what are they they're literally just the even more commoners and even crappier well because of how miniatures are just modeled they seem like the more I see them as more than your average troops and the mm-hmm. shield because in miniature games, at least if you're not playing a, a rank and flank game, which is trying to be more, more historically accurate, that the shield often represents just a higher level of armor on the guy. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a visual representation of it. Cause yeah, it's just more interesting than having people like, Oh, the only way you can get more like armor is to have the guy just with more armor on them. Maybe yeah, the bigger fact- shoulder pads. Right. 
That's yes. why some guys have shoulder pads the size of their heads. Or shoulder pads on shoulder pads. Uh-huh. Yes. That the other way to, to visually show it is that he's got a shield. It's like, oh, this guy's got a higher armor value. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, they do have a lot of like shoulder pads on shoulder pads. I got to protect my shoulder pads mm-hmm. <laughs> from, from damage. These are like passed down heirlooms. So my shoulder pads have shoulder pads. Yep. Yes. Yep. So... Yeah, I often see the sword and shield guys actually a, an armored unit, at least as far as it comes to skirmish so, games. So, so it is actually more defensive, just not necessarily at the top level defensive side of the spear and, sh- and, and tower shield, right? You have your, yeah. your almost your levels, right? So you have your, your one sword guy, right? Which makes sense that once you have weapons in both hands, suddenly you have your sword and shield, right? Which is your defensive kind of, you know, say veteran, let's say. And then you have your ultimate defensive troop is like this giant shield right with a spear to be able to poke beyond the giant shield yeah he's got plate Mm. and it's also very like like visually uh visually uh easy to identify right shield Mm. versus one one sword yeah okay and then i guess we mentioned those two like spears long weapons and sword and shield uh, how about hammers and war hammers and things like that and maces? So you often just expect them on like a bigger guy if we're talking about miniatures. Yeah, I feel like when you don't see them in person with real guys, they seem wimpy. Because we yeah. think of sharp things. And maybe it's just that we deal with, we think of small things, sharp things being more dangerous. But um if you stabbed a guy in the back of the skull with a uh, dagger or a, or a, a kitchen knife, are you more or less likely to kill them than if you hit them on the back of the head with a hammer? I feel yeah. like you probably die from the hammer more likely. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, you know, just thinking. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I feel like these kind of weapons are, are almost not respected in the um, in the miniature gaming or even maybe in just in the general fantasy kind of sphere, right? Besides the fact that, you know, gods, when you're strong, you can defeat the enemy, right, in, uh, in Game of Thrones. Although that's even like the guy that became super fat and couldn't even wield the hammer and dies to a boar. But apparently his main weapon was a war hammer. Mm-hmm. so do you think that like when i look at it on the tabletop generally people don't actually use the warhammer to you know they do sometimes for like armor cracking but it seems like instead they model uh two-handed swords and two-handed axes as the armor cracking weapons yeah because they look cooler you can paint more cool shiny effects on them so <laughs> That's how it goes. <laughs> so it's basically they're like, okay, we understand this is needed in the game, but can we just represent this by having a two-handed sword that the person uses like a hammer? Mm-hmm. Yep. No, so, that's fair. You know, that's totally fair. <laughs> you know, so those basically the weapons that you get your higher damage output through them. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. All and right. It- so then. So maces then get merged into, uh, and hammers get merged into two hand two handed weapons. Yeah, in miniature games, in your, Although, in your yep. fantasy games, 
Mm-hmm. Although to be fair, two-handed maces are supposed to be a big deal. Okay. Like when you think about Warhammers, right? In Warhammer, mm-hmm. do they does how many people run around with a one-handed Warhammer? No, that's not the Warhammer they're talking about. They're talking about fantasy two-handed giant, basically people running around with sledgehammers hitting each other. Yep. Right? That's what they mean by like that's like the, the, the pinnacle of armor cracking in these kind of games. Yeah, pretty much. That's what you expect is the look of the weapon. Mm-hmm. And it's literally just about prettiness. Yes. This, is, what you're this comes down All to right. a lot of how this is <laughs> in the games. It comes down to why shields appear and don't appear. It comes down to why big swords appear. I guess it, it basically it comes down to you're playing a fantasy game generally when we talk about these things. So either you, if it's historical, just model your guys with the historical equipment, which is generally some sort of spear and shield or sword sword and shield or uh you know as as you get later sorry in the bowman in the back of the field yeah yeah bowman in the back and then you just get longer and different kind of pole arms the long the, the later you get into uh the medieval times and then i think we mentioned lances as well become a big deal when cavalry charges become a thing mm-hmm. um did you, i always wondered because of the fantasy of because of the um I guess the miniature and, and fantasy games we played, how lances worked, lance charges worked. Mm-hmm. Because whenever we went to like medieval times or things like that, it seemed like after you use the lance and you hit a guy, it was likely to break or some shit. Yeah. So did you ever wonder like, but in the video games, once you charge one guy down, you just keep on, or or in like these fantasy games, once you charge the guys down, you continue to charge them down. And I'm like, wait, do lances? It seems like they're made out of wood. They're they're super long. They seem to break a lot, right? Well, maybe the com- you're charging maybe someone down with horses. Crappy wood. No, uh, this is one one thing. I don't know. Maybe that's that's true. It's maybe, but I I I just heard in passing. I have no idea if this is true. Is that Basically, cavalry charges with lances, they basically rode you down. And then if you didn't break so that they could just take out your their their, their close-handed weapons and just chop you down, right? They because just kept broken. For another circle. Mm-hmm. They would go around, back around, and get new lances, and then go back. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I yeah, don't know if that's true or not, but that'd be very boring in a... Maybe it wouldn't be boring, actually. Maybe it would be very interesting in a... You're off and charge again. You're off and charge yeah, again. Yeah, in, in a miniatures game, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's super hard to catch them. So you'd make your horses actually move the speed of actual horses. Yep, that's oh, that a totally actually... thing, like about, like, strike and move back. That that falls into a yes. whole new category of rules. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. where you have to, like, strike, and then if you move back and touch your, your base, then they can come up next turn and, and, and strike again. It'd be interesting. Interesting way to, to model it. Although if you if you model it realistically, your archers can't be on the board because you know they're generally much further away, at least in the late medieval periods. Yeah. Well, if you're thinking about Warhammer 40k in relation to the maces, Warhammer 40k is like, oh no, you just have your power fists instead. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And then those are those weapons are modeled like the maces where you you strike mm-hmm. super hard, but you strike last because you're yep. just you're making your swing yeah. for the maces. 
Yeah, it's weird that power fists and chain fists were more uh, were more popular than the literal name of the game. Why are Warhammers so unpopular? Like literally they have this beautiful Warhammer like displayed on the right next to the name. I guess in, in normal Warhammer, not not 40k. I think it's the Imperial Eagle in 40k. But they actually did put the Warhammer sometimes, right? And yet almost none of the characters run around with Warhammers. Because the the 40 the Warhammer of the 40,000 millennium, I guess, is a bolter. Yep. Yeah. All right. In chainsword world, not the <laughs> yes, and a chain, yeah, a chain fist, mm-hmm. a chain fist, so stupid. But also partly why Warhammer 40k is so great, because yep. it's so stupid. All right. So, so mentioned yep. that you mechanics really interestingly. Sorry. Are there any games we want to bring up that make an interesting use of these mechanics? Because Warhammer 40k yeah. has the most expected representation of it, where it models your weapon skill. And it models your your strength. It doesn't model your weapon skill. It models your weapon strength, right? Your weapon skill ability to hit someone is almost always your based on the guy. So the guy is just good at hitting, whether it's a power fist or a uh, light sword. They used to model initiative uh, and speed and parrying, right? Before in like second and even third edition when they had like the really big powerful weapons hit last, but uh, they removed that (laughs) from the game. So it no longer does it. And now it's all about how hard they hit. So is your, uh, is your weapon, I don't know, can it kill, is it made to kill a human or is it made to kill uh, a hive tyrant? Yeah, so oddly, they give the weapons in that game a strength and their armor-breaking value, which I'm sure we've touched on a previous podcast. We're like, have they really differentiated these things? And what um, do they meaningfully, like, are, is there a meaningful difference in the game? Because when you think about yeah. it realistically, like, is it doing two different things? I think it could. Um, as, but the, the fact that every single time you hit a guy, you have to go through two, both makes it kind of uh not really whereas in like infinity right you have two different types of armor where you can use a weapon with one for, or versus the other right because yeah, the armor the armor is almost like an extension of your life that randomly you may just be able to have yeah. more life yeah say if, if you save on a five and up on a d6 that's one third mm-hmm. you basically have one third more health yeah if there's so no yeah armor. i think I think basically you could say Warhammer was in some ways better at modeling these weapons, but you know, in, in some ways removing all that complication is good, but then they messed it up with adding all the stupid complication with basically making power and armor saves or armor piercing the mm-hmm. same stat. Because yep. if you look at all these weapons, they're not different, right? The high power weapons have high armor piercing as well often. Yeah. So well, it basically to differentiate as much. Yeah. So it basically means that you don't need it. You don't need those two stats, basically. In, and in and often the guy's toughness is interrelated with his number of wounds, so it all becomes yeah. very... The wounds ended up being a different way to balance things, but then they also started messing with that because, of course, I don't know, the latest, greatest army has to kill everyone even faster. So you're obviously, if a guy has too many wounds, they got to go through all of those wounds just as quickly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so they do have the powerful kind of like mechanic where while you also have powerful strength and toughness, you also have the ability to do multiple wounds, uh, which ends up being um, you know a way to make your weapon feel more powerful, like the way that like we talked about. So I yeah, do think yeah. that they yeah they do have that intrinsic thing that we talked about, right? I think that's important to be able to hit the super tough things, let's say a tank or something like that, right? Yeah. And again, it's the same thing in 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 their medieval Age of Sigmar stuff. Yep. So they have they have three different rules you have to make, not the two essential mm -hmm. ones we figured were there of just mm -hmm. plain fighting skill and then ability to take a hit. Like Infinity yeah. divides it into those two distinct categories. For Oscar, you have three rolls. You have three rolls in in Infinity. Mm -hmm. um, they're just. Uh, oh, sorry. You have two, but and then a third stat, which is wounds, and then. Mm -hmm. Technically, 40k has four, right? You have to hit, to damage, to save, and then number of wounds. And then you also often have an extra save for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's stupid. All right. Brave treats it more interestingly where you only make one roll to go through all three stages. Yeah. But then basically to, to simulate the effects of higher power fighting skill, and higher power weapons, like damaging ability. Mm -hmm. You basically put on mods at every step. So you make your one roll, and mm -hmm. then that's modified by your fighting skill and your opponent's fighting skill. And then once you come to the damage, it starts being modified by the weapon's power and then the armor's Yeah, to cancel power. it out, right? Mm -hmm. And then whatever, however much you, you surpass that, then you directly modify their health. So yeah. in, in many ways, it's one roll. It's basically models exactly the same thing as 40k but you only have to make one roll for all of them right? yeah just against different stats so so it's it's it works it makes the game nice and fast but it does take away a slight level of your ability to win a fight versus your ability to like actually damage something by the blow you've made it just it reduces the distance. i'm not it feels right no no i think it does because your armor level is like can be quite high, which means reduce. You can often win a combat, especially because it's an opposed roll, right? So unlike 40k, where you're just rolling this, let's say, go to three and up, you can win a combat in in uh, in uh, Frostgrave when you roll a one on a twenty sided die, right? As mm -hmm. long as your opponent also rolled a one and you had a higher fight skill, which but you won't damage them, right? If you rolled a yeah. one or something like that. In Frostgrave, you've got more wounds as well compared to, say, Infinity and 40k. So even if yeah. you score the hit, it's, it usually takes several hits to yeah. end your opponent. Yeah. So, okay, sure, you score a bunch of weak hits. They're not going to go away. They score one big hit. Yeah. And you have armor. You might survive it, but if they score a big hit and you don't, you're gone. Mm -hmm. So yeah. over the course of the several fights that Rounds go on, same fights, yeah. or someone goes down, it all sort of works out representatively. That, mm. and do you like the the so so Frostgrave uh, basically pairs things down to in in many ways to just the basically the thing the things you're talking about right just the core idea of you have your main weapons your hand weapon which literally encompasses every single weapon we talked about except for the powerful weapons that hit extra hard, right? So the two-handed weapons. So you either have 
a one-handed weapon, which is called a hand weapon, makes sense. Uh, sword, and that's a sword. That's an axe. That's a one-handed warhammer. That's a spear, right? A one-handed spear. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all together in one group. Versus your two-handed uh, weapons, which are the ones that uh, that that have that uh, mechanic that we said is the most important, which is powerful, right? Being able to change that kind of idea of being able to crack armor. Yeah. So. So in that game, you roll a D20 for, mm-hmm. to show the outcome of the roll. Mm-hmm. And those two-handed weapons you're talking about only add, when you come to the damaging step, only add plus two mm-hmm. to the yeah. damage output of the weapon. And, uh-huh. then, mm-hmm. yep. and then when you look at the other end of the spectrum, you're like, okay, that's fine. So you've got your, your regular weapons at zero, and then your really strong weapons at plus two. Mm-hmm. What they don't, I don't think, take advantage of is weapons that are just actually maybe you're good at fighting, but you're just using a stick, aka the staff that a lot of magicians will, your wizards will take, and mm-hmm. that only gets a minus one to damage. Which, when you're comparing on a roll of d20, you expect mm-hmm. it to be a pretty big difference between your like two-handed barbarian's axe and then getting hit it with a piece mm-hmm. of wood. Like maybe there should be a bigger range involved. Mm-hmm. In so, but it's there yeah. in the game and it could be yeah. used. It just doesn't feel as realistically represented. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think I think that's definitely. A, yeah, they could basically make it a more defensive thing. I think that the biggest issue, the, th- the reason why, again, that's probably just in terms of game balance. Because again, one of the things they mentioned is that they that we mentioned that they actually put in is the sword and board, right? So the shield gives you plus one armor, and I think in terms of the mechanics of the game, that's right, right? That's that's what you want. You don't want a plus two armor shield because that's way too much uh, armor, no. right? So, um, but because of that, you can't make your staff better at defense than your shield, right? In which case, the staff is basically, you know, it has the same defense as a shield, except it removes any, it removes some of your combat ability as well, right? But I could see where you could say that it's, you know, it, it gives you your, it effectively gives you plus one armor in, only in close combat. And then you could say that it gives you minus two to damage right so it's even weaker in terms of attack so it's, it's basically just a defensive weapon yeah when you get to war machine war machine is really represented by when you think of war machine you think of just everyone having insane numbers of abilities mm-hmm. so in war machine they they the status effects go on all over the place with their weapons yeah which, almost too much honestly <laughs> it's, it's how the game is played is putting up different effects yeah. all over the board and comboing yeah yeah, I think I, like like I, th- I mentioned before, just the the simple reach mechanic and the way that the game is played really matters a lot, right? It really limits the opponent from getting around you, uh, having to engage you directly, and then um, it really allows you to hit them before they hit you. So you get that like first strike kind of ideas that you're talking about. So I'd say that portion, and it's it's very simple, right? It's just you can attack them. from two extra inches which means that even if you don't move as fast as someone when you are charging them Mm -hmm. you might be able to charge them first because you can hit them when you're eight inches out while they can only hit you when you're on when you're six inches out right so um i do like the way that they handle like i said those pole arms the pole arms feel quite good and and they feel like how you'd expect basically on the table Often get the first hit off just because of the ranged mechanic. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And so I, I, it does make you think like, what kind of things do you like? If you look at Frostgrave, it is, it simplifies things to basically the core things we talked about, right? You have your defensive, you have your hard hitting and you have your like neutral, right? Right. And, and so this is the kind of, it's almost like your ground level basic things that you need to make your, your weapons feel right. Right. And then you have the super meaty detailed kind of mechanics that you have in war machine, right. Where you have, uh, you know, a reach and then you have, yeah. Power level as well. And then you have high wounds as well. Like 40 K keeps the wound number low. Mm -hmm. Then war machines like, no, you're going to have like five, five plus damage boxes on lots of guys or your beasts in that like 20, 20 plus. Yeah. Although they kind of messed that up with the ability to make multiple attacks. So literally the game is so contingent on alpha strikes. It almost defeats the entire uh, cool mechanics of all the other stuff. It plays, <laughs> because, much, it plays with too much Rochambeau where, oh, your guy's super powerful, yeah. but he stands there and keeps getting kicked five times in the nuts and doesn't take his opportunity to kick back once. Yes, exactly. So even though the guy seems to be super defensive, apparently his entire army just sits while your army target every single person in your army takes turns punching this guy in the balls so yeah yeah, i like their their weapon modeling but there's just mm -hmm. other issues in that game yeah although i don't like the fact that they have to roll multiple dice and add them up it's a lot more math than than needed there might be more dice, like the charge extra dice. I, I have questions about everybody getting extra dice on the charge for damage. Anyhow. Mm. Yeah, but it is the kind of mechanic you're talking about, right? With the idea of charging, having a, a strength and being a, a definite uh, benefit, right? Getting yeah. that charge off. I but think if you... Does everyone well, I think... I think it's interesting. I, you're right that, you know, in some ways, even if you charged with a stick, should you be able to damage like these guys? But at the same time, they have a lot of guys with super high armor, which makes it hard to damage them. You're so. just charging with your sword and board. Why does me jumping at you first make me the better fighter? We've watched, going back to the beginning of what we talked about, mm-hmm. when we've watched all those people like showing how you actually fight with medieval weaponry, mm-hmm. lunging at your opponent in some crazy rush does not win you fights. So, not necessarily, that's true. With those, but with those. maybe the idea is that they tackle the guy when he's not expecting it and they stab him in the neck, right? Yeah, right? Even though you have a tiny little dagger, technically, if you tackle the guy, right, stab him in the neck, and, it's better and, than... And, and, and like in those sword fights, he doesn't just hold the sword out and then have you impale yourself. Uh-huh. You have to remember, and, this is a uh, the, they have a Rochambeau mechanic. So uh, they, they the guy li- literally does not hold his spear out and he literally lets you run at him and has to take that hit on the head or in the neck that's what the the problem is yeah but but as we said before like the the weapons mm-hmm. how the weapons work in the game seem realistic mm-hmm. but the other mechanics surrounding yeah. it cause a yeah, they really make it feel like the weapons act like how you would expect mm-hmm. yeah but that's just the charge mechanics and then the yep. whole army and going the- once start breaking the weapons working like you expect yep or the fight doesn't act like you expect Weapons, yeah, too. overall, even if the weapons when they hit, it makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then we talked about slightly about 40k, how we just don't like <laughs> all the rolls, although that's not directly related to the weapons. Do you feel like the weapons are modeled well? I think we mentioned that they were modeled more closely 
in uh, Warhammer uh, 40K, like second, third, whatever editions, and mm-hmm. still in some of their specialist games. But do you like that over their more... Let's assume, let's pretend that they were streamlined without all the extra garbage that they put on top. Let's pretend that... Well, <laughs> just take the streamlining part. Well, do you like the fact that? that they removed a lot of the, the special stuff about initiative and... Um, and well, it's basically initiative and parry and th- that kind of stuff with their weapons in the new versions of Warhammer 40,000. I think parry is interesting, but they just have too many rules going on elsewhere to let it stay. So in some ways, like the simplification is important depending on what you're uh, trying to get from the game, right? remember melee weapons are only a, a piece of the combat that goes through. So if you're modeling all these other things, do you really need to have every single type of model of a weapon? Does a, does a, you know, like in, in Frostgrave, it's not a big deal that they don't model the difference be, between an ax and a sword and a whatever. Right. And, and like you said, most games don't actually do that. Right. They basically treat them the same. Um, and I do know in like, a battle for middle earth they they treat all these different kind of weapons uh differently each one has a kind of special role and honestly i'm not sure they need it besides the powerful one mm-hmm. there's a 200 weapon that allows you to damage high high uh, armor targets yep i think that one is is cool I don't think they need the rest of them. They have like these parry things and this kind of stuff. And it's just overly complicated. Like there's so many different ways that you can model that. In, and they do model that in the fighting ability of the person that it's almost intrinsically put into the characters. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but I, yeah. So I think we went through basically all these different types of weapons, uh, how we generally kind of match them up. Um, how I think the last thing, Uh, I think we mentioned this briefly is um, so we're working on our game, right? And we have two different sets of weapons, right? We have everyone when they come to the the battle, uh, they have the core part of the game. They don't have weapons per se, right? The idea is that you can basically just bring any miniatures you want, right? So you can model them with whatever kind of weapons you want, but instead you add um, traits to them and the traits kind of, depending on the traits you choose that you expect them to use certain weapons, right? Yep. So uh, do you think that system like is enough? And do you think that first of all, so our game has sort of an in-between amount of health in it. It's not your mm-hmm. one health guys you get mm-hmm. in 40 K or war machine or at three health as the base. Mm-hmm. And it's not your frost grave where the guy average guys have like 10 plus health. Mm-hmm. It's worth three. And then you can go up to four for guys. If you give them that ability, mm-hmm. but at this point we don't really armor in ours is mostly represented by that. The one extra health mechanic. Mm-hmm. It's basically you can take, Tougher. okay, the guy hits you. It's fine, but you have armor say, so it, it takes up the blow. Mm-hmm. Thing is, how we've modeled it, it's more about positioning, I would think, the game, because we haven't gone so far towards guys' big skew in the defensive ability of anyone. Mm-hmm. The biggest defensive ability you get in our game is just adding health to your guy. Yeah, so we have like the idea, basically, 
it's almost well the idea of the the game and and the beginning rules or or the the way it stands now is that we want to only add in the things that are the most important right mm -hmm. we we basically try to keep the rule as simple as possible we want it to be the easiest like easiest and simplest to get into right the the, the start of it was like i basically wanted to you know uh get some of my uh niece and nephews into this kind of hobby and obviously that can be a barrier if they get considering how complicated things are so yeah, the simpler the better memorize hundreds of stat lines to be able yeah. to play the game yeah so that's like a huge barrier i've seen like <laughs> trying to teach some of my nieces like i don't know even kill team right you just it it, it it's not that they can necessarily don't get over it but it is an obvious barrier that, and it, make, it made me think like, do you really need those things, right? And so in the same kind of uh, idea, when you talk about melee weapons, we're not necessarily saying you're, you're, you, don't, you don't equip your guy with, with weapons, but you do equip your guys with traits and they're obviously directly related to these mechanics, right? That you're talking about, we're, we've been talking about. So we have a charge, like we literally just say, instead of equipping your guys with a sword that gives you another mechanic, we say literally you equip your guy with the uh, mechanics that we mentioned. So you equip your guy with charge, right? Now, if they're charged, they obviously might have, you know, a longer weapon, right? Or uh, maybe there are, if they're fast, both fast and have charge, then that would be your knight, right? Because they move quickly and then they can hit you really hard on, on the thing. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what focuses around positioning. Like that's where positioning matters. So yeah. it seems like we've, avoided the the arms race created around having high armor guys and then needing high damage output weapons by just taking that whole system out altogether and focusing on the whole position element and then the fighting skill element yeah you, and the traits like almost going directly to the trait idea as opposed to saying to, to artificially adding on um a almost like a middleman to the rule <laughs> like you basically take the trait right and mm -hmm. that's and throw away the rules-based middleman of saying oh you need to take a sword to get this kind of ability right mm -hmm. um we just say okay you take you take charge well obviously you're you're running around with weapons that allow you to hit really hard on the first strike right if yep. you take the powerful thing then the things that's different is that you know you're obviously taking large weapons that can hit really really hard or maybe the other way uh, the other way you might do it is you model the guy who is really really big right but a big guy probably takes a bigger weapon so that's the way you kind of model them right yeah if you uh, take, more damage. Mm -hmm. yeah and then if you take uh some of the more defensive traits that you're saying okay so yeah you might take these these other weapons right that that are good for a defensive way right uh your your guy with more toughness like you said is, has more armor or maybe a big shield or something like that right um so uh yeah so that's basically how we played it out i to me this this opens up a lot of freedom on modeling right because i feel like one of the problems uh that you know people will often run into is that uh uh you expect what you want your guy to have a cool weapon like that you let's say the the favorite uh, weapon in let's say the the model pack that you got is the guy with the warhammer and then you go and you put him on the field and you're like oh damn the the warhammer rules 
in this game means that this guy sucks, right? Or or he's not the kind of guy that you want. That's an issue, right? So by kind of making it more, you know, you don't have to act to tie them directly. That that no, said, bring whatever ball you yeah. want. Then, hmm. Yep. That said, we do we have been going through, and the reason why we brought this topic up is that in the single player version, and I don't know if we'll, we'll end up porting this to you know the multiplayer version, there we did start adding in special weapons, right? So and you armor. could say yes, yeah, special weapons and armor. So these are like so you won't necessarily have your mundane sword versus whatever axe, right? But you would then have like your fine swords, like your 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 mastercrafted swords and your your magical swords and weapons and, and stuff like that, which we did put in. Um, and modeling those and differentiating those um, did we did kind of put that in. Now I guess one of those questions are, you know, just talking through it is let's say you picked up a magical uh, dagger, right? Or, or a magical sword, but your, your mm -hmm. guy is, or a, a mastercrafted sword, but your guy has powerful, right? Which is supposed to be modeled after these large weapons. How yeah. do we, do we mm -hmm. want, do we care about that? Or is that just something that we're like, well, it, it is mastercrafted, right? Like all of these weapons are, expert weapons so you could you there is a way that you could say okay they, well you know you still have those abilities right or I, or would you say put limits on certain weapons to say that you or do you do you add the granularity of being like oh cannot cannot gain from the powerful benefit yes powerful exactly ability. like on the on the weapon it says you're not allowed these these certain traits or you lose these certain traits when using this weapon yeah, then almost every single weapon other than the big ones would have that, which... It's a, it's something to think about, right? Um, like, we could, you could either put that in the rule or the other way around, so... Mm -hmm. So what, what do you think about that? Mm. I guess we'd have to think about it more. Again, yeah. there's one of these issues of, like, extra complication exactly the kind of benefits that you get from games like frostgrave where you have a, a simpler mechanics that help smooth out the gameplay and, and at some point you're just like ah, i don't care about that yeah i'm trying to think of the weapons they have that you basically your weapon becomes magical for a slight boost it's basically mm -hmm. changing whatever weapon you had before rather than swapping it out altogether so mm -hmm. all right i think we're going so all right. Well, that's basically everything. I think we've gone through all this stuff of melee weapons. Favorite melee weapon? Swords. As a swords. Yeah, I think I like spears now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it basically changes every single month, apparently. I think I said axes before, and now I'm like, nah, spears are cool. They get bent on miniatures. That makes me angry. Yeah. Swords. Sorry, spears with fancy tips with is is what I like the most. So maybe halberds, maybe a halberd is 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 my favorite. Right I've now. got a whole bunch of those from a Reaper weapon pack I bought. Uh -huh. So I think some miniatures for our game will end up having them <laughs> as powerful or with charge, or charge and powerful. Oh, well, we'll have to test out the game system to see what's most broken. <laughs> yeah, test test it out more. Yeah, to figure it out. All right. 
Um, so that's basically it. We've gone through uh, a deep dive into kind of melee weapons and how we're, we're thinking about uh, modeling in our game, as well as the kind of games that we enjoyed. Uh, halberds are obviously the most superior weapon. I think we went through that as well. Um, and yeah, so if you have any thoughts, you want to tell us uh, our, your favorite weapon, uh, any kind of cool mechanics you think about uh, that you'd like to talk to us about, any kind of ideas about how to solve that kind of issue of wanting to have a powerful, uh, like a very powerful damaging dagger and how you would headcan it or explain it away. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Yep, especially uh, in a one rule game. Yep. Uh, so if you want to uh, reach us, you can uh, find us on uh, Facebook at Dice of Everything Group, uh, or you can uh, email us at uh, contact at diceofeverything.com. And if you want to find out more of what we're doing, go to oh, our website me. as well. Yeah. Yep, diceofeverything.com. Yep. But uh, the main way is, is the Facebook group. So, um, yeah. Uh, this has been Alan. It's been Brandon. Bye.